Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's disappointing that our discussions of the congressional Republicans have not been willing to discuss raising revenues, but the policy differences between the parties should not stop Congress from avoiding default. You understand that raising revenue is raising taxes, right? It's the only way the government can raise revenue. It's not like they can open up a pizzeria or an ice cream stand. Although Joe Biden would love to open up an ice cream stand. You better believe it. He'd be the biggest customer. We could solve the entire debt problem just by selling Joe Biden ice cream. He'll even sell the Corvette for it. It's a dream come true deal. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Guys, it's good to be with you. Uh, Will we have a deal on the debt limit? Well, Biden went to Japan because he's part of the G7 and was going to be there for the summit. And I'll get into more uh, about the the G7. But uh, he's coming back. He's not going to do the trip to Australia and Papua New Guinea because he's got to come back and deal with the debt limit because those wascally Republicans, all they've done is actually pass legislation to raise the debt limit but keep spending at 20 2022 levels. Dr. Matt Will joins us right now, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And I think before we get into what's been proposed, we got to start with basic concepts. I, I like it when we start from a from a baseline, sir. What is the debt limit? Well, Tony, the debt limit is like the limit on your credit card. It's the amount of money that the federal government is allowed to borrow. Because you and I know, everybody knows, that the government is deficit spending. They're spending more than they're taking in. And so the only way they can borrow more money is if they get an increase in their credit card limit. And that's what has to, or that's what has to happen. And the Congress must approve an increase in the president's credit card limit. And as of right now, they have increased it. They've given him a new limit on his credit card, but they put some conditions on it. Those conditions are... Not so much something new, but as to say, well, here's the spending limit we had in 2022. We're going to keep that spending limit. The Democratic Party has taken that to mean, oh, so you're going to cut services. You're going to cut veteran services. And this, you know, anything that they consider to be a a place to uh, a- exploit. We now are at a place where if we don't spend more money, that is therefore de facto a cut. You know, Tony, that actually was invented back with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton changed the terminology where he said, spending isn't spending, it's called investing. And he's the one who said, increases aren't increases. So now the entire baseline has changed in our lexicon, where cutting is defined as not increasing it big enough. And that's absurd, but that's where we are, and the media is cooperating in this, uh, in this facade. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. So the debt limit means that we're not able to spend anymore because we're not able to borrow anymore. The debt no, no, limit no, isn't. Not, no, Tony, that's not correct. That's not we correct. Can spend, we can spend as much as we take in. All it means is we can't increase our credit card limit. We can't borrow more. We can continue to spend as much money as we take in, which is an important point that I'd like to talk about with you. I'm a bit confused because what I hear from Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, and Janet Yellen, the Treasury of the Secretary, and all the talking heads out of the administration and on cable news is that if we don't raise the debt limit, we can't pay our bills. But you're saying we can do the spending. So explain it. 
Tony, that's why I messaged you this morning and wanted to talk, because that is an outright lie. That is completely false. We can spend every dime that comes in the door through tax dollars. Joe Biden can take tax collections, and every day the government's collecting money, Tony. Every day they're collecting taxes. They can spend that money. They simply can't borrow more money to spend. So what does that mean? That means it's a question of priority. So there is no reason that we should default on our debt because the president can make a decision to take the existing tax revenue that's coming in the door today and tomorrow and next week and next month, and he can take that money and he can pay back the loans. He can pay off the interest on the loans. He can make that choice, or he can choose to spend it on Social Security, or he can choose to spend it on government giveaways, or choose it to spend on subsidies for solar energy. But they can spend every dime that comes in the door. They just can't borrow more money to spend. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. So explain to me what happens if we default on the debt, or, or maybe said differently, if we do, I have been telling people for the past few days, I'm not about to worry about this. If we default on the debt, we default on the on the debt. It's not that I want it to happen. It's that I'm not going to get myself worked up about it the way the political left seems desperate for me to get worked up about it. And to a smaller extent, the political right. If the if the debt limit isn't raised, are we are we going to default? Are we not going to be able to pay the bill? Uh, OK, there's two parts of that. Tony. first, let me repeat what I said a moment ago. We will not default if Joe Biden chooses not to default. He can choose to pay the interest on the debt. He can make that decision and pay it with existing incoming tax revenue. It's a complete lie what Cringe said in her press conference. It is not true that we can't spend money. We can spend every dime that comes in the door. He chooses what to spend it on, though. He simply can't borrow more. Now, as far as is this a problem? Well, it's a problem for Wall Street, and you made a good observation. Both the left and the right are nervous about it because Wall Street has invested in treasuries. They want the government to pay them back. They don't want to default. This is just like Silicon Valley Bank. There are lots of very rich people who want to get their money back from the federal government. That's why they're creating this alarm and this concern. Main Street isn't that concerned about it. It's the people who have invested and loaned money to the government that want their money back. Well, then there's the whole conversation about who will get the bailout and who will be forced to pay for the bailout. But we'll get to that conversation later. One of the other uh, big talking points from the Biden administration, as long as we're engaging in concepts of clarity here, sir, is this idea of reducing the deficit. Deficits being different than debt. This was President Biden the other day. I'm proud of the progress my administration has made. We reduced the deficit in the first two years by $1.7 trillion in the first two years. And I proposed the budget to reduce another $3 trillion over the next decade. He keeps touting this. The Democrats keep cheering this. It got backed up yesterday by the head of the Democrats in the House, Hakeem Jeffries. President Biden under his administration, in addition to all of the significant legislative accomplishments that occurred in the last Congress, including around infrastructure or the Chips and Science Act or the Inflation Reduction Act, reduced the deficit by $1.7 trillion. I don't know if I necessarily trust the guy who tells me that the Inflation Reduction Act did good for the country, but they keep touting this number, Dr. Will, $1.7 trillion deficit reductions. 
What is the difference between deficit and debt? And what is a data manipulation that could take place to make it look like you're doing something when actually it means nothing? Well, the, the difference between deficit and def- debt is easy to explain. The amount of money that you owe on your credit card, that's debt. Deficit is the amount of extra money you spend this month on your credit card. So this year, we're adding deficits, but the debt is a balance that's due, and the balance keeps going up, and that's what they're talking about as far as increasing the debt ceiling is increasing the limit on your credit card. But this $1.7 trillion, Tony, this is laughable. And, you know, I'm not a fan of CNN. I think they're very biased. But just go to the CNN fact check page. They actually said that the president lied because the taxes that he's counting, the new corporate taxes have decreased the deficit. Tony, those taxes didn't even go into effect. They weren't even in effect yet. They're not yet in effect. And he's saying that these taxes that we haven't even collected yet decreased the deficit last year. The deficit decreased for one reason and one reason only, and even CNN admits it. They decreased because... But um, Trump and Biden significantly spent money on COVID. And when the temporary spending, those stimulus packages, those giveaways to people and businesses, when those were expired, the deficit went down. That's all. We just stopped spending money on COVID. That's all that happened, Tony. And by the way, we still have a multi-trillion dollar deficit this year. So the, that, the fact that Biden says this, he has to get the number from somewhere. So somewhere they're able to do a manipulation and say to him, okay, say this and then send him out there and someone has to direct him on where to go and the bunny rabbit turns him around and says, no, you speak over here. And he says these words. But as you describe it, even CNN is fact-checking him. If that's the case, is Wall Street engaged in this fact-check as well? Does Wall Street recognize that Biden is not telling them the truth? Of course, Tony. The Wall Street Journal isn't re- repeating his lies. I mean, he, they report what he says, but no one, no one on their editorial board is agreeing with it. Everybody knows it's not true. It is true, though. The deficit did go down, but it didn't go down because of anything he did and any of the taxes on the rich like he keeps claiming. The deficit went down simply because the temporary spending expired. That's all, Tony. We still, but we still have over a trillion dollars of deficit each year, adding to the twenty-one trillion dollars we have on our credit card. As you look at this, as as an economist, you and you don't deal with the theory; you deal with the with the real life stuff, the dollars and cents. Um, we talk a lot about do you buy now or do you hold your cash now? And we've talked about the idea that buying things because cash will be worth less as as this goes on, and then you hear that Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, is kind of hinting that there won't be any more uh, increases in uh, interest rates. And then you hear from the president of the Federal Reserve of Atlanta saying, I don't know if we are done with raising interest rates. And then you hear from another part of the Federal Reserve saying we're probably going to be holding and we could see a soon a decrease. They're trying to send messages every which way. As an economist, you take a look at this economy, you took a look at those last jobs numbers, you take a look at the consumer price index, you take a look at the producer price index, the, how, what the wholesalers, uh, you know, the actual costs are. What is it telling you right now for the rest of at least 2023? Well, 
telling me what about inflation, about growth, about employment. About, is, is, is this economy one that's turning around and growing or is this one that is stagnating and will continue to do so? No, it's stagnating, Tony. I mean, that's the data just continues to show that. I talk about the uh, PMI index all the time. This thing has shrunk now for five months in a row. It's still negative. So that shows you that the economy is contracting. That is just a piece of factual information. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, if, if we can get the deal on the debt ceiling that includes spending controls, then I see the economy looking better. But only if that happens. Yeah, it's not. That's not going to happen, sir. Just so we're clear. It's not going to happen. By the way, this is a personal question. You still a believer in, in buying things? Go get yourself a used car. Go get yourself an actual thing. It's better than holding on. You know, the, the money is going to continue to have less value as we go for the next couple of years? No. No. I believe right now, if you were to do, what I would recommend right now is people put money in a money market account. Schwab, which is one of the most conservative, lowest interest rate paying um, investment banks out there, they're paying over 5% of their money market now. Tony, you can put your money in the bank with them and other companies too, by the way, and earn 5% not even tied up for six months. I want you to know. So why in the world, why in the world would you go invest elsewhere and buy assets when you can earn money just by parking it in a money market account? That's, that's terrible for the economy, but that's what's happening. Full disclosure, um, I have done exactly that. I, I never discuss my own investment stuff, really, unless unless I own a stock and I'm talking about it. I don't I don't mention it because you should never take an investment advice from me ever. But I want you to know I did that uh, about three weeks ago as I saw the rates uh, moving in that direction and and put the cash there. So I feel like you know what? Look at me. I've got an idea of what's right with the world. Yeah, and Tony, you know. You, you're doing the right thing, but isn't that sad for the economy that we're not buying assets and building factories, but instead we're just parking our money in cash accounts? Well, I, I did buy something because the Mecham auction was going on, and I clicked the bid button. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I hope you make a lot of money on it, Tony. <laughs> we will see. We will see Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. You can follow him on Twitter, Dr. Matt Will, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box. I appreciate you. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. How come the FBI never investigated Hillary Clinton? No, no, no. Look, I know, I know why they didn't investigate Hillary Clinton. You don't have to laugh at me. That is... That is not necessary. <laughs> Come on now. That is not right. You guys are rude. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. That is the number. But it is actually a very good question. While so many people on the political left, they don't want you talking about the Durham report, and they try to dismiss the Durham report, and they try and tell you that if you believe in the Durham report, you're a fraud. This is Representative uh, Daniel Goldman making his statement on MSNBC. And I guess if you step back, Congressman, I mean, Manafort, Flynn, Stone, Gates, and Papadopoulos were all found guilty in, in the court of law. What, what, is, what is Durham saying, that they weren't really 
guilty of the crimes they confessed, pleaded to, or were convicted of? I have no idea what confirmation bias he's talking about when you have either guilty pleas or jury verdicts convicting all of these people in connection with the Russia investigation, and yet you have acquittals essentially across the board in the piddly cases that John Durham brought. You want to talk about a waste of time and money. The John Durham investigation is an embarrassment, and it should go down as one of the biggest abuses of power and waste of money in the Department of Justice's history. I think that would be the actual Mueller report, which was based on nothing. But if you want to fight about this, Representative Goldman, I'm down with this. I am 100% fine with that fight. The Durham report agreed doesn't throw people who deserve to be in jail in jail. Nor does it state that people like Manafort and others didn't do things wrong. As a matter of fact, no one should actually go down that road. If you want to defend Manafort, you can. But it doesn't mean that all of his actions were perfect. Anytime somebody is engaging as a foreign agent and doesn't report it, I have an issue with it. I have said so numerous times. I'll continue to say so. It's fine. But the idea that charges weren't brought because of the Durham report is different than whether or not the Durham report states what we already knew. And you want to talk about the embarrassment. Hillary Clinton has a fever dream and says, let's invent a thing with Trump and the Russians so people won't pay attention to my email server. And the CIA director at the time briefs the president, uh, Barack Obama, the vice president, Joe Biden, the director of the FBI, James Comey, the attorney general, Loretta Lynch, and others, and all of them shrug their shoulders and pay no attention while an investigation starts happening against Trump on something they know that was invented via the Hillary campaign. They know that the Steele dossier is nonsense. They know that the subsource is untrustworthy and the FBI stopped using them. And we are the embarrassment. The Durham investigation is an embarrassment. Those people engaged in a coup, in a fraud. That's, that's actual collusion. What nonsense are you pushing? The fact that you would defend that, that's something. The fact that you would say the Durham investigation isn't going to bring any arrests, well, that's true, and that's, that's a problem. We agree uh, that that is a, a problem. But the Durham investigation is not a waste. For some people, it's the first time learning exactly how duplicitous and ugly uh, the Clintons are and the Obamas are and the Bidens are and how absolutely evil James Comey really and, and truly is. And when you take a look at defenders of that, like Representative Goldman and his whole history, you're like, oh, well, that's just nasty right there. But the question being asked, and I saw this was written by Daily Caller, if the FBI knew that Hillary Clinton had invented this whole thing, wasn't she interfering in an election? And if election interference is something that matters, why in the world wasn't the FBI investigating Hillary Clinton for election interference? Seems to me like that should have happened. I think that's a very, very good question. Of course, Hillary doesn't get investigated for anything. They don't get investigated for the trail of bodies left behind. <gasps> Too soon? It's a really good question. And people like Representative Dan Goldman refuse to allow you to ask good questions. Me, I think you should. I think we all should. This is Tony Katz today.
So I was trying to follow this story out of Montana where they have decided to ban TikTok. Montana, search for it. Montana bans TikTok. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. But they've done it. Of course, there's going to be plenty of challenges, but they're making a statement. And Greg Gianforte, the governor, is saying you can't have the communist Chinese spying on American kids. You got to do something about it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. So I wanted to reach out to Aaron Flint. Aaron Flint is the voice of Montana Radio, montanatalks.com. And I've known Aaron for forever, a local host with with a statewide uh, footprint. And so I went to talk to him, but he was on the air because of the time difference. We couldn't figure out how to connect. So we're like, well, screw it. We'll do it live. So he, I was on the air with him while he's doing the interview with me. You know, I mentioned over a decade ago, I got a, I got a chance to go to the Right Online convention. And really, it was, it was folks like Andrew Breitbart and folks in the conservative movement that were trying to counter these radical left-wing bloggers, the Nutroots, uh, Netroots Nation. But, but since a, you know, a little old me from Montana got to go to that convention, I got to mingle with these great conservative commentators and radio hosts from all across the country. Uh, guys like Tony Katz, who we have the honor of chatting with right now. Hey, Tony, uh, yeah, great to, great to have you with us live on the air here in Montana. And then I understand you're also going to be broadcasting live uh, right back home in Indiana. Yeah, so this is a fantastically meta moment, Aaron, where I'm on the air with you and you are on the air with me. This, this is the way radio w- w- was meant to be. It's good to hear from you. And the reason I, I wanted to talk was because all of America is talking about Montana and this TikTok ban. And I wanted to kind of like hear it from the horse's mouth. You are the voice of Montana. So like, what, what is the take here? Cause this is like, I understand this, right? This is more than just government. Uh, this is, you know, TikTok or devices banning TikTok. This is the state. Yeah, this this is a, a straight up ban on the communist Chinese influence uh, app, the communist Chinese intelligence collection tool known as TikTok. You're right, Montana, first in the nation to now do a ban on TikTok. And uh, yeah, huge. And, and, you know, a lot of people may not notice this because, you know, we're, we're kind of like, like you in, in Indiana. We're in the heartland of America. We're kind of flyover country back here. But we've got an attorney general, Austin Knudsen, who I would say is the best AG in the country. we we got Governor Greg Gianforte delivering some first-in-the-nation uh, bills here. And I, I love Ron DeSantis. I love Donald Trump. But, hey, what's happening here in the heartland of America is we're standing up, and we're going to stand up to the communist Chinese, even if Washington isn't. Well, in Indiana, we have uh, Governor Eric Holcomb, and you haven't heard about him because even in Indiana, we don't hear from Governor Eric Holcomb. Very, very small thing said. Uh, it's a very odd Republican Party uh, in the state, Aaron. But the the I, I'm with you on the threat of the communist Chinese. It, it's a conversation that we have 
often. And when you talk about banning TikTok, you're you're talking about affecting people's lives. And this is where guys like myself, I think guys like you or free market people, this becomes a little bit of a challenge. I make the argument that national security has to come first. There comes a moment where you got to say this is a, a, a real threat, but it's a question of how. This ban, does this mean you can't download the app anywhere? So basically what it will do is... is, is the initial draft of the legislation, as I understand it, what it would have done is, is the Internet service providers would have had to police this. And, and obviously that had some challenges. This applies directly to those app stores. So Google, Play Store, iTunes for folks with iPhones, they're the ones uh, that are going to be responsible for implementing this. But, but I think, and, and, and obviously, you know, some of our friends on the left and some of the folks who, who are defenders of, of TikTok will say, well, how are you going to enforce this? Well, uh, TikTok, I mean, uh, these, uh, iTunes and Google, they figured out a way to uh, keep other uh, apps off of their Play Stores before, so it shouldn't be that hard for them to do it this time as well. And, and you're right, like, you know, we have export-import controls. So anybody who works in agriculture knows that, that you can't just buy anything from China you want and import it into the country. You can't just sell anything you want to, to China without, you know, going through, you know, certain procedures, right? So, so the question is, we have borders for a reason. Do those borders now apply when it comes to to uh, digital intelligence collection tools as well, right? But I, the bigger picture here to me, uh, uh, Tony, is you know I did a BBC interview uh, a few months back. Remember when the whole China spy balloon was floating over Montana? Yes. And, you know, everybody. Two was guys talking. having to look into the sky and defeated the entire Biden security apparatus. Yeah, exactly. I told the BBC in this podcast, and I think a portion of it got cut out, but, you know, we have nuclear missile silos here in Montana, Malmstrom Air Force Base, uh, scattered all across, you know, farm country here in Montana. And and here's this China spy balloon hover, hovering overhead. But I made the point that those nuclear missile silos are part of our nuclear triad. And so I described that what the communist Chinese are doing is that the, the communist Chinese have this triad of of intelligence uh, collection and in montana they're they're trying to buy up our farmland near nuclear uh, missile silo sites so they're spying on the ground uh they had the spy balloon overhead and then they have this TikTok app that's literally in our pockets spying on anybody who has this device so so i described it as kind of this chinese intelligence collection triad and our governor and our attorney general and our legislature very clearly saying no you're not going to we're not going to allow the communist chinese to buy farmland or other critical infrastructure that was signed into law no more tiktok and they would have shot the spy balloon down uh even though joe biden uh waited until it already accomplished its mission to do so yeah so the the farmland conversation is a big one aaron aaron flint of montana talks montanatalks.com in case anybody in my listening world wants to go find out more about aaron heck of a good looking guy uh, by the way, he's available <laughs> for modeling gigs and quinceañeras all across the country. Um, You're drinking too much bourbon already, I see. No such thing, sir. How dare you? Moderation <laughs> is the key. It's, right. it's that idea 
that we're talking about a legitimate threat. The whole land conversation, whether you're talking about Grand Forks in North Dakota that voted no on a massive Chinese land buy, where you're talking about, I think it's 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 called Big Forks, which is in Michigan, where that uh, board there, that, that board of supervisors, even though two Democrats voted against it, they still had enough Democrats to vote for it to allow the Chinese to move forward with a battery plant operation, which now is in question and rightfully so. There are things that we need to do to ensure safety and security. I think where people get this confused is that they take a look at the Constitution, they take a look at our way of life, they take a look at their concepts of capitalism and say, we can't do that to them without the recognition that we are not the communist Chinese, they're the communist Chinese. The American citizen can do what the American citizen chooses under the protections of the Constitution. But the Chinese communist can't, and we don't have to treat both things equally. The Constitution is not a suicide pact. Um, yeah. I want to get into where, you're, where the Montana politics are, because I think you brought up an excellent point. And this is where John Tester, Senator Tester, is having the most amount of issue that you have on a statewide level, this governor, this AG, willing to aggressively fight the fight. And it doesn't seem to me like Montana Democrats are like, let's say, California Democrats. So as you have this talk about the the communist Chinese and, and the idea of the land grabs and the t- technology grabs, what is the political environment? A state that's willing to say yeah. no to TikTok is saying something, but down to the nitty gritty, where is the person from Montana at? We have got to get rid of liberal Senator John Tester in 2024. Uh, look, he will talk tough on China's spy balloon after it already flew all across America. He'll talk tough on the southern border, but what has he done to stop Joe Biden when one vote could stop Joe Biden in the United States Senate? He'll talk tough on the Keystone Pipeline, but then vote against it when it matters the most. Uh, this is one of our listeners actually coined a phrase to describe liberal Senator John Tester, the flip-flop flat top. Uh, or, hey, uh, I know you got folks listening in farm and ranch country as well in Indiana. Uh, he's good at the two-step. He'll say one thing and then do another. We call it the tester two-step. Uh, he's got to go. I'm hopeful that because of, you know, Montana has grown more deeply red. You've got political refugees that are fleeing California, fleeing Portland, fleeing Seattle, yeah. and they truly are political conservative refugees. I think Montana has gotten even more conservative than 2020, more conservative than 2018 when John Tester was up the last time. If we get a great candidate to step up against him, which I think we will, we can take John Tester out in 2024. If the state is leans that right, how did Tester get in to begin with? Well, you know, he's got a flat top, he's got a big old belly, he's a farmer. He looks the right part, right? Like he looks like he could be your uncle. Uh, he pretended to be conservative. He, 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 and, and, you know, you still got those old school union Democrats or farmers union Democrats who, who refuse to recognize how radical left the Democrat Party has become and that the Democrat Party has abandoned them. So you still get some of their, those holdovers. And he's had the media in his back pocket. Uh, but I think that's going to finally run out in 2024. Uh, at least, at least I hope. I mean, uh, but but the Democrats are going to are going to go all in. I mean, I mean, in in Montana they're going to spend 200 plus million to try to save his seat. So we need help from all across America uh, because that seat is that critical. The TikTok ban that's going on. Uh, what are the lawsuits against, and how is it how is it seen like they're going to play out? 
Well, we've got liberal judges here in the state, uh, a liberal Supreme Court, unfortunately. Uh, we expect the, the left-wing ACLU to stand up for China. They wouldn't stand up for your churches when your churches were being shut down or your kids when your kids were forced to wear masks. But they'll right. stand up for the communist Chinese, won't they? That is the absolute truth. His name is Aaron Flint. You can find him at MontanaTalks.com. Uh, honestly, they're a local host doing great work all across the country, and I don't mind bringing more attention to them and getting their takes on things. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Just as a matter of observation, it's obvious that some people can't give up the grift. Now, sometimes the grift is really about a money-making scam. Other times, it's about still being invited back, still being part of the team, still being part of the cool kids. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Now, I I, I should say that I really don't like the, the term, even though I think it is apt from, from time to time. As a radio host, I get told I'm I'm a grifter, uh, specifically the Indiana Democratic Party, because I'm based in Indiana. Oh, they can't stop. Grifter Tony Katz. I've, in June, I will be on the air in Indiana for nine years. End of June. June 27th was my first day. Well, no, June 27th is when I got here. June 27th is when I first got to Indiana. Uh, June 30th was my first day on the air. Nine years, they call me a grifter. Yeah, there comes a moment where you're like, yeah, maybe that doesn't fit. Everybody figured, oh, I was, I was gonna head off to, to, to New York. I was gonna head off to DC, oh, Indianapolis. Who stays in Indianapolis? Who stays in the Midwest? My God, you, know, you stay in Tulsa? You stay in St. Louis? Absolutely not. They all made the assumption that I was going to do this, this this stepping stone thing. My problem is I never once saw being here as a stepping stone. I saw here as an opportunity, and I still do. Nine years later, I'm actually only starting to understand what my opportunities are and actually starting to take advantage of them. The things that I've been talking about for years, people are starting to like recognize this. Wait, that could be done. No, no, you could do that. Yeah, why don't we try this? I, I, it, it has been remarkable in, in the amount of conversations that, that have taken place. Grifter is not the word that applies to me. But if you're still talking about climate change and saying it's climate change that's going to create the next pandemic, maybe Grifter applies. This was MSNBC and Dr. Vin Gupta answering the questions. A study out of Georgetown University finds that climate change could help spark the next pandemic. I mean, hello. Can you explain how rising temperatures could cause that? I'm glad you brought that up, Anna. What we're seeing here is an unnatural movement of, say, animals that are uh, are reservoirs for animal viruses, things like coronavirus, for as an example, or other tick-borne illnesses. And and what's happening here with climate change is unnatural migration patterns, closer proximity to other mammals like humans, and you're seeing that transmission become more and more common. This is a big concern here. Avian flu, as an example, we're seeing more mammal-to-mammal transmission. That's a high mortality rate. 
So climate change, because it's changing migration patterns, because transmission amongst mosquitoes is happening for longer periods of time because the year is warmer, we're seeing more of these occurrences, which should worry us all. Uh, let's let's talk about warmer for a minute. This is Steve Malloy putting this out on Twitter saying how it was warmer in May of 1987 than in May of 2023. It was warmer and he, and he's showing the date of t- of temperatures uh, across the, the the nation. Now, I guess one could argue, hey, where'd you get that? That data piece, hey, is, is, does it account for this or account for that? Hey, that's a snapshot in time versus uh, a, a totality of, of time as opposed to being able to handle the totality of time because time is just a construct, people. And now we're getting really meta. The point that I make to you is what kind of fear tactic nonsense grift is this? You now want people to... Be worried about malaria? Well, I think malaria is an issue, which is why, by the way, we need DDT and to hell with Rachel Carson and Silent Spring. But hey, that's a tangent. I'll get to that later. Maybe you don't have the argument. And maybe when you put on your Chiron, you know that lower third that they have on, on, the, on news and all cable news, right, that you read off, that's called the Chiron. Heat will likely soar to record levels in next five years. Haven't we heard this already? Haven't we been down this road? You're still doing this to people? Maybe I'm more apt in using the description of grift than I really understood. Because that's what it comes across as. And even if Vin Gupta is citing some sources that we should pay attention to, with a headline like that, with a Chiron like that, who's going to pay attention on a network that's been pushing climate, climate, climate change for forever with absolutely zero results? And as a matter of fact, being shown to be wrong a great amount of the time. Grift. I guess this is just how you get more hits. Maybe that's why I don't get asked on MSNBC anymore. Huh. This is Tony Katz today. Today.